state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Petrus gets the belt high, shotgun snap being rushed, gets hit, and goes down. What a sack that time by Ty Robinson. Casey Rogers right there for the sack. Casey Rogers with a sack off the edge, and that'll take us to halftime. And he's being mobbed by his teammates. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Thursday night edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. We've got a good show lined up for you tonight. The head coach had a little press gathering today. We're just now 48 hours inside of 48 hours away from kickoff for the Huskers and the Boilermakers. We'll get the head coach's latest thoughts about this matchup coming up here in a few minutes. We don't have a show tomorrow night. We have Husker women's basketball tomorrow. Their opening game of the year against ORU. Tips at 6, so we don't have a sports only. So tonight we're going to put in some of our Friday normal features for you, including a snippet of Ben's Cornusker conversation for the week. We'll have that for you later on in this hour as well. It is our normal Thursday night Husker football coaches show, and quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco will join us in hour number two, so get your comments, questions ready for him um, as he's having to get two quarterbacks ready to play each week with last week's game plan, including both Adrian and Luke, and I would guess this week's will as well. Maybe we'll get some more insight into that with Coach Verdusco in the second hour of the program. Third hour, we'll have our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. That's normally what we do on Friday, so we'll have that in the third hour. We'll also hear from Tim Newton, the play-by-play voice of Purdue, get his take on the Boilermakers' recent rough stretch of three straight losses, including that highway robbery that they suffered at the hands of Minnesota a couple weeks ago, that phantom offensive pass interference call in the last minute that really it cost them the, the football game. So we'll have that. And Ian Rappaport, who normally is also a part of our Friday show from the NFL Network, Ben was, is going to lasso him and bring him on in the third hour of the show as well. And as always, we want your input. 531-500-4686. You can do that by diving up our Sports Nightly hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. So 531-500-4686 or fire off a text at that very same number. Ben, I want to start with an interesting tweet put out by Tom Deanhart, longtime Big Ten writer, covers Purdue uh, for one of their – Uh, fan sites he tweeted out about an hour ago that he said quote passionate jeff brahm's gonna battle nebraska with a roster comprised compromised by opt-outs the quote from the coach that he puts in this there's been a handful of guys opt out that will be missing on saturday well you know it's all personal reasons i don't want to get into specifics hmm what do you make of that comment from the purdue head coach yeah, I make that there are players that that aren't interested in finishing out the year at Purdue for one way or another, and that they're not going to tell us who. I mean, I, it's just it's a it's an interesting deal. They had a player opt out on Monday that another wide receiver entered the transfer portal. Um, so they, you know, they're clearly, clearly dealing with some things right now in West Lafayette, and I don't know that we're going to know the extent of it until we see he's who's warming up or who's not warming up. Yeah, and, you know, you sit there and you think that 
you know, we know Nebraska inside and out, so we kind of feel like we, we know all the warts of the Husker program, and, oh, man, it's you forget that other, other programs are dealing with issues too, right? I mean, and, and in this wacky 2020 with COVID issues, a lot of these schools have wrapped up the semester, so some kids don't have the class structure that keeps them kind of locked in. And that, that absent mind sometimes can really wander around and you kind of go, oh, I, I got I to get out of here. You mentioned Ahmad Anderson. He's the wide receiver that entered the transfer portal. He'd had a couple catches already on the year, a little bit like Marcus Fleming at Nebraska. So there's issues at Purdue. We don't know. You can speculate. When I hear opt out, to me that, that, to, that almost means guys who are done playing football at Purdue and want to get ready for the NFL – Maybe I'm thinking too much about this, but the first name that comes to mind is Rondell Moore, right? I mean, he has to come to your mind a little bit here on this thing. Yeah, and I, you know, when I hear opt out, you know, well, from what you said of play their last game at Purdue, you could just stop there. I mean, maybe they got, there are guys that just want to be done playing for Purdue and want to focus their attention somewhere else and, and thinking about where to transfer. I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on what it could be, but there's no shortage of possibilities of what could be going on there. And you're right. It, we're so ingrained every day of, of what's going on in Nebraska's world that it, it seems like, you know, some of the stuff that we hear is <laughs> – it, you wonder how, how anybody is going to put pads on again sometimes. And, you know, I, you're, you're right, though. There, there isn't a team ever to go through a season without any kind of drama, without anything bad happening to it, away from the football field, off the basketball court, or, you know, outside the white lines in baseball or whatever the sport. There, there's always things that are happening that, that don't get publicized, that um, – that are bumps in the road, so to speak. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it's a culture problem. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just, it comes down to an individual or a couple of individuals, but clearly there is, there's some, you know, this isn't a smooth road in what in West Lafayette right now, the Boilermakers are, are walking on sandpaper right now in some type of respect. And, and I don't know that, you know, obviously I'm not an insider Purdue. I, I couldn't tell you what's going on, but, you know, this isn't this isn't a good look. Um, you know what? Seventy-two hours before game. Forty-eight. This is already Thursday. Yeah, forty-eight. It's crazy that this has come up. Uh, you know, it's hard to keep that stuff secret. My guess is we're going to start getting some leaks out of Lafayette, whether it's tonight or tomorrow. Um, I, and this piques my interest. I mean, who's going to be there for them right now? That, that and it sounds like it's multiple guys. It's not like it's just a hand, one or two. So stay tuned. That That is an emerging story that we'll continue to follow. Again, Tom Deanhart uh, tweeted that out about an hour ago when that popped out. Also, and, and we're not coaches, so we can look ahead. Uh, so let's look ahead to next weekend. Nebraska slated to play the Minnesota Golden Gophers on the 12th. Minnesota did not play last week because of COVID issues. Had to cancel their game with Wisconsin, which eliminated the Badgers from the West title because they won't get six regular season games in they missed two of their own early now they missed the the gophers game last week so they're they're down to just being able to only play five games then the gophers canceled this week's game against northwestern um which gave northwestern the west title so we should i guess congratulate northwestern great job you've, you've won the west so there you go pat fitzgerald goes from worst to first 
in one year uh, of Big Ten football. But Andy Greeter, who writes for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, who we have on from time to time as part of our Big Ten Blitz, tweeted this out this afternoon, Ben. He said, Gopher football program said that Thursday two players have tested positive for COVID since the last update on Monday. Minnesota's case total is now 49 with positive numbers falling, the U had light workouts Wednesday and Thursday. Signs point to a game against the Cornhuskers on the 12th of December. So that's good news, right? I mean, it sounds like they're trending in the positive direction. And, and their outbreak started on November the 19th. So if my math's right on my 21-day calendar, anybody that tested positive on the 19th should be able to play on the 12th for them. Now, they did have a huge opt-out a few weeks ago with Rashad Bateman, their very talented wide receiver. He opted out. He says, ah, enough of this. I got some college games in. I'm going to get myself ready for the NFL draft in April. So th- there, that was a positive, right? I mean, Nebraska wants to play these games, and it looks like Minnesota is trending in the right direction to be able to get to Lincoln next week to play the Oscars. So I'll take that as good news. I'm a glass half full kind of guy, right, Ben? I, I'll, I'll take that and run with that. Yeah, we're going to play the Gophers next week. Not sure, not sure what their status will be, but I think that um, you know any and Coach Frost said it today. Any opportunity they get to play, you know, that they, they want to have and they want to take. I don't know what what what's going to happen after the. The Minnesota game with the crossover, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you call it, championship weekend or some dumb thing that they, they called it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but you you hope that they can at least finish these last two games and, you know, have some type of resolution to the season. I You know, the – Obviously, this week it sounds like everything's a go from Purdue, but you know Minnesota's is clear that they're they're having some problems. I don't know what their roster is going to look like, but it's not about you know what what that win may look like to national pundits. It's more about just getting Nebraska four quarters of football under their right. belt. So, yep. I, I mean, you know, is it an easier path for Nebraska to win without Rashad Bateman, or if, hypothetically, if Tanner Morgan or Mo Ibrahim? have covid yeah it's an easier path but again that's the bigger picture is that they just need to get out there and play some games so i you know that that's got to be that's kind of got to be on the on the front of their mind right now and you know obviously our first attentions with purdue and <laughs> you know it's kind of felt like my pregame show was all well well and good until you know that kind of <laughs> that kind of came out so you know it's getting some curveballs late in the week You'll have to be tracking that as you get ready for Husker game day, which comes on at 7 Saturday morning. The opening drive with Jeremiah Searles and myself begins at 6 a.m. Buckle up, put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. 531-500-4686, the number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text on our U.S. Segator text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Segator Connecting Husker Nation. We're back with more of the show, including tonight's practice report, comments from the head coach, coming up next. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Thursday night. Sports Honey on the Husker Sports Network. Let's head to the phones. Don and Lincoln, you're up next. Good evening. I think that's a, this is Greg Sharp, the, the most Fabulous sportscaster in the nation, right? Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, now I think it was a brilliant idea on one of the coaches to put to play Martinez and then play McCaffrey off and on because that screws up the defenses on the opposite defensive team, doesn't it? 
I like it. Yeah, I think it's a good mix. Uh, you know, and I think they'll probably go with the same thing they did at Iowa on Saturday. Do you like it, Don? I think it's brilliant. I think one of the coaches, because it's, it, because as one of the coaches said, I think that you know throws off the defenses a little. And they don't know both are the same, but both, both of them had their little insecurities that were sort of different. You know, that really makes it, you know. Yeah. Don, thank you. Appreciate really, it. Yeah, I really appreciate it being the sports catcher for Nebraska. I think this is one of the best hires since Lal Bremser. Oh, you, you bless your heart. Thank you, Don. Thank you for the phone call. But, no, I think it's been a really good mix of those two quarterbacks, and that's a perfect lead-in to tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that, and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Football is back, and soon the cold weather will be, too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers, for a free estimate. Head coach Scott Frost meeting with members of the media on a Zoom call this afternoon. The final time we'll hear from anything from Nebraska's camp before kickoff with Nebraska and Purdue here on Saturday morning. Coach Frost first asked about his running back situation and uh, what what it means to have somebody out there at running back that has the coach's full trust to do everything that he's asked to do. We have had, you know, challenges is probably the right word with up there. Uh, certainly didn't help us having Mills nicked up. I said last week I knew we were young after him. Um, so we, we tried to fast track the rest of those guys, get them ready. I think they've done a good job considering, uh, but you know, experience helps, and their familiarity with the offense helps when you're trying to make adjustments and call things. And um, I'm really pleased with the with the talent we have in that room. Um, we just got to keep bringing them along. He was asked about Dedrick Mills' status, and he said, we have our fingers crossed. So that's the answer we were given last week. I kind of think nothing's changed in that regard as far as running back goes this weekend. No, and, and then if Marvin Scott, there was talk about a head injury, so if that's concussion, he probably is not available this week. So Ramir Johnson's got to be ready to go. Uh, Wandale certainly can play back there, and you hope maybe Ronald Tompkins can give you some snaps. He was on the trip in uniform in Iowa City, didn't get the ball, but you'd hope maybe he could get out there and play some. Yeah. On Monday, Coach Frost was asked uh, about just efficiency on offense. One of the, the numbers that he gave uh, was the percentage of um, drives scored on when there were a clean drive, meaning no penalties or bad snaps or turnovers um, early in the drive. And Nebraska scored on over 90% of those drives that are clean. However, um, there has been a significant amount of those that, that aren't clean drives. Coach Frost was asked today if he shared those numbers with the team. Yeah, we talk about those things in-house all the time. Um, we we can't uh, beat ourselves. We're we're playing too good a team this weekend. We play too good a teams week in and week out. Uh, it's hard to sustain drives when you make mistakes, and th- there's been too many snaps, uh, too many, too many negative plays. Um, so it, you know we we're talking about those things in house all the time. Uh, the guys know the importance of it. Uh, we got to get buttoned up a little more so so we can be more consistent. And I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, I, I think I wrote the stat down. Six negative plays for Nebraska in the first half against Iowa. 
negative 47 yards. I mean, it's hard enough to score on a good defense as it is. When you're spotting them 50 yards, it makes it a little more difficult. Yeah, it's been like when this team commits a penalty, has a bad snap, turnovers obviously, that's what's preventing them from scoring. It's not so much the defense stopping them, it's Nebraska stopping themselves so many times. Frustrating. Yeah. Coach Frost was asking again about the wide receivers, specifically the young players. Um, what gives him confidence in that group? What He keeps saying that he, he likes the talent in that group. What is it about that group that he likes? We got, uh, you know, a few guys that have been here a while that um, really know what they're doing. Uh, Cade Warner probably being the leader of those, and, and we trust him to run everything that, that we got. Um, Levi Falks, new, come in and done a good job. Uh, Wyatt Lever is learning as a walk-on from O'Neill, Nebraska. I really like uh, how he's progressed. Um, I think when, when I was referring to that, the talent in that room has really gotten better. Um, a lot of it's young, and, and like I've said several times, um, you know Xavier wasn't around all summer. Uh, we, were, we were hoping for really good things with Omar, and he hasn't been healthy. Um, Will Nixon came in. He's a really talented kid. And he, he got hurt in the offseason. Uh, Melante Brown has a ton of talent. Um, I don't want to leave anybody out, but um, and Chris Hickman's doing good things. We have a lot of guys that uh, – that I feel like can do things um, and have the talent to do what we ask them to do on the football field. Um, some of them we just need a little more time with them so so that they're more consistent. What have you seen from the wideouts this year? I, I think there's two tiers. You have the tier of guys like Cade Warner, um, Levi Falk, who are good, solid players, know what they're doing, pretty good blockers, but aren't going to scare opponents. And then you have the young bucks and the Betzes. And maybe I'd even throw Oliver Martin in there along with Alante Brown that you're like, okay, this is this is top-tier talent, but they, they don't quite have it locked in mentally yet and doing some of the other things. So you've kind of seen them substitute almost like a hockey team with line shifts, Ben, where you got one group out there, if you know you're going to run a set of plays that maybe involve more blocking, that type of thing, and then you bring out the other guys if you want to try to push the ball downfield a little bit. So that's... I don't know that they have a lot of complete wide receivers. They have guys that do different things well, but maybe not a lot of complete packages in that room yet. Yeah. Well, the last two weeks, have we've been told two completely different approaches to the week. Against Illinois, we know how that game turned out. But against Iowa, things to, were said to have significantly improved. What has been the approach to the guys this week after Iowa? Really well. Um, the guys are... You know they they didn't take it very well Saturday, and I and I hope that put a chip on their shoulder a little bit. Um, they know they they got another big challenge this week, uh, going on the road to a good team. But um, their approach to everything they did this week was exactly what I'd want it to be. That seems seems to be be the the right answer. I guess we'll find out on Saturday what that means. Uh, season's still going. We we've talked a lot tonight about situations uh in minneapolis with with the gophers and what potentially uh could happen at the end of the year with the, that final game coach frost was asked about how the team has kind of handled the uncertainty and really just the everyday grind that has been the 2020 season 
Yeah, it, it has been. It's it's been such a, a crazy year in a lot of ways. Um, you know, don't want anybody to feel sorry for anybody that's coaching and playing football because there's other bigger problems out there, and um, those are certainly more important than than our issues. But the guy's been at it a long time. Um, be honest, I think if you took a poll of a lot of people, um, it's getting close to Christmas. Guys are used to being done. Um, I don't get that sense on our team. Um, our guys want to play more games, and they're excited to do that. Uh, but you know, this late in the year, it's just unusual. So um, you know, we, we we don't have them up here all day, Sam. Uh, they get away some. Um, you know, I don't think they can do all the normal things they do when they get away. That's that's kind of been the big issue with a lot of this is you can't go to a movie, you can't you can't go hang out with friends, you can't go to parties. You, um, so it's been a long year for some of these kids uh, on top of the coaches, and um, that's just the, what everybody's been having to deal with this year. It, it, it's all different for everybody, and so we're in uncharted territories, and, and including the coaches. How do you motivate into December when you're used to kind of shutting her down at this point in time or, or, or gearing down because you might have bull prep in, in some cases and that type of thing. But one thing that is a carrot out there for this team, and I'm sure it's being used this week in motivation, Ben, all right, Huskers are one and four, but potentially have three games left. So there is still a path for this team to get to 500, which I think would be a really big accomplishment if they could get to four and four. But you have no margin for error. You have to check every week with a win, and it starts Saturday. So to me, that's that's where you fight the motivation for the guys that, okay, we still have a chance here. We hang together. Some good things can happen here in the last three weeks. Well, that and, you know, just the motivation's got to be, you remember how we felt two months ago. You know, mm -hmm. when when you guys didn't know what you were practicing for, this is what you're practicing for. You know, the 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 message against Purdue is, you know, this this has potential to be your last game. You know, for you seniors, has the potential to be your last game ever. You know, we don't know what's going on in Minnesota. Same thing with the with that game against the Gophers. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, after this, are, are they going to let us play that last game or not? So. And on top of that, you've got to find a way to win a few of these games in a row. I mean, yep. this, this staff has yet to really get off the ground with the wins and uh, got to find a way to win a few in a row. Coach Frost was asked about his relationship with Bob Diaco, former Nebraska defensive coordinator, spent a year here, now the D.C. up at Purdue. You know, I, I have um, mutual respect, I think, is probably the right word to, to talk about with what he does. And he, he's been established defensive coach. Uh, he's had good success. Um, I think he's a good coach. Um, you know, we coached against each other once when he was head coach at UConn. It was a good game. It was a tough game. Um, you know, I think they, they're, they're sound. Uh, typically don't give up a lot of big plays. Uh, make it hard on you to run it. Um, he knows what All he's doing. So thoughts on Bob Diaco, Purdue defensive coordinator. Finally, Coach Frost was asked uh, if he has heard anything about the end-of-season schedule, what, what, what could potentially be or not be in front of the Huskers after this game. Uh, I know the ADs are talking about it. I, I think all the coaches kind of have their head down and are, are working. Um, we, we just feel lucky and, and grateful that we're getting to play. Um, and we're going to play any chance we get a, a, a chance to play and, and hope we get some more. Uh, but, you know, safety's got to come first. And I know there's a lot, a lot of games being canceled. It seems like more and more every week. So we'll, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. But uh, we're just grateful that we got the opportunity to play some games. 
and hopefully get a couple more with Purdue, Minnesota, and potentially somebody from the East. Team X. We'll call them Team X until we get more. No Friday show, and on Fridays during the football season, Ben, we like to let everybody hear a little bit of your Cornhusker conversation that runs in its entirety during Husker game day. So no show tomorrow. We wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, reveal a little bit about this week's edition. Yeah, and uh, one one key member of this defense all year has been Deontay Williams, who has been through a lot, not just in his Husker career, but uh, in his life, and especially with uh, you know the injury that he sustained last year and something not a lot of college kids have to go through, which is being a parent while he's trying to play football. So uh, this is just a sneak peek of what you can hear tomorrow, or excuse me, Saturday. This is another edition of our Cornhusker Conversation. Today, today we welcome in Nebraska safety Deontay Williams. Deontay, I know last year, let's just start with uh, with how tough last year was for you, not being able to, to play. You got so juiced up for that first game. What what was that like, man, the first game of the season? And, and what do you remember about, about going down and what your thought process was when you got hurt? Uh, when I got hurt, it was more like uh, uh, a learning experience, you know, because I was so prepared, so ready to play. Had 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 a like a great great summer, great spring, and I, all of a sudden my shoulder went out. But other than that, I just learned and grew from that situation that happened, and and I'm learning and growing right now. So it it was it was hard, but it went it was a hard experience. But from now I'm looking in. I needed that. I needed that. I needed that. I needed that experience of getting hurt. I needed that. It helped me grow. I remember you talking about your first year on campus, um, what it was like having to wait because there there was a there was a crowded safety room back there. You know, with the experience we had back and you know Trey Neal coming in. What did you feel like that off season was like for you, having spent a whole season learning? from those guys about what it was going to be like to play at this level, you know, because we only saw a little bit of you your first year here. Uh, it was like, basically, it was just me tuning in to my inner self, saying that when I come back, I'm trying to be the best as, as I can be, you know. When I come back, I'm I'm come back perfect, come back more craftier, come back a better player, come back a better teammate, come back a better uh, role model to the young guys. Just, just, just putting it as that. Just, just growing. This is a growing experience for me. Growing experience Deont- for me. Deontay, when you go through an injury that that lasts as long as as yours did, um, that there, there's a lot of high times and there's a lot of low times as well. Who who did you lean on, you know, when, when those days were tough to, to help you get through, you know, being so far away from home? Was there a teammate or a coach that, that you bonded with that really helped you when those days were, were really tough for you, rehabbing? First, uh, first and foremost, it, it was me and God. And then my son was born. So my son got me through everything. The sad, the, when he happy, I'm happy. You know, he got me through. He got me through all the the pain and the struggle and the crying at night and the and the uh, and the days that I don't want to do anything and 
Coach Fish, obviously Coach Fish, also kept me like just keep working, keep working, stay grounded into the work. And, and my dad, my father, Roosevelt Williams, also same, the same speech as Coach Fish was giving me and stuff like that to keep mo keep me motivated, keep me into uh, being the best player I could be and being the best football player I could be actually. And, uh, and that's about it, man. I've got a six-month-old at home, so I know exactly what it's like to have to figure everything out. I'm only imagining what it's like having to do that, take classes, and play Division One football at the same time, and rehab. What was that like, man? Just, just you know, putting putting the work in every day and coming home, and you know, doing the bottles, doing the diapers, and and just trying to find a way to get some sleep too. It was tough, man. <laughs> it was, it was tough. It was tough, but I figured a way to get through it. You know, it's just, it's just uh, managing time. You gotta manage time, cause I, cause, shoot. Before me, I was horrible managing time. But when my son came here, I had to. I had to just snap into it. You know, yeah. You, you can't just, you can't just wake up and just be a dad. You are the dad. So. So I had to manage time, and it was hard. But I graduated. I got everything done, but it was still tough. Cause sleep, I ain't getting no sleep. Sleep was, <laughs> sleep was. That's the most hard, the horrible thing about it was just sleep. Cause then I have to do schoolwork, and then I have to do rehab, and then I have to play. You know, cause when you see me, you want to play. You know, and being that dad, so yeah. Were you, were you able to do any reflecting? I mean, that's 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 some monumental stuff, man. I mean, you're you're doing something not a lot of people do anyway, which is play Division One football. But to get a degree, which I know how important that is to you, and and at the same time, you know, grow up and be a father. Have you done any reflecting on you know where where Deontay Williams was even three years ago at junior college to where you are right now? I mean, you think about where Deontay was when he signed his LOI to come play at Nebraska, where he is right. Have you done any, like, thinking back to how much you've you've had to grow up? Yeah, I, I, I always do that. I do that every day. I'm like, dang, I came so far, man. <laughs> I would never thought I'd be here in this situation. But God is good, though. You know, God is good. Uh, but I always reflect back when I was in JUCO. And even the time when I was hurting JUCO, even the time when I was hurting JUCO and I had to miss a year, that would – that would also prepare me for when I got my soldier, my uh, shoulder injury to end me out for the whole season. Yeah, that prepared me and stuff like that. So I was used to things like that. Like some things don't go your way because it's not in your plan. It's in God's plan. So, but without God, I wouldn't be here. Without God, I wouldn't be here talking to you. You know, without God, I wouldn't have my son. Without God, I wouldn't be playing football at the University of Nebraska. You know, so. I just think, I just think, I'm just so thankful. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just so thankful. Two things that uh, I felt when uh, I was done interviewing, Deont interviewing Deontay. One, I never get used to or or get, you know, it, it's never old hearing the players that, you know, spend some time here. They're like, I never would have thought about Nebraska. I didn't even know where Nebraska was. I didn't know anything about. I didn't know anything about the program. And oftentimes, those are the ones that end up living here when their yeah. careers are done. And then the second thing that I thought of, Greg, is just, just that I appreciated Deontay sharing with us is, you know, that about his personal life. Like, 
these guys are human. I mean, here you've got a, a 21-year-old young man who is trying to graduate. He's trying to raise – I mean, I'm I'm 30, and I'm trying to raise a kid. And he's – you know, and he, here he is trying to play football and doing interviews. And, you know, you want to get pissed at a guy for missing a tackle or frustrated with a guy dropping a punt. You know, let's maybe keep in perspective that these guys are human and they're, and they're young people. So, you know, that, that, that interview meant a lot to me. I'm glad Deontay opened up with us. That is so neat that he's going to get that degree. He's going to he's a father now and he's going to he's going to succeed in life. He's hung in there when it would have been easy to turn and run and he didn't do that. He hung in there. That's a great success story. Can't wait to hear the rest of it on a Husker game day on Saturday. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Mills now in the backfield, two wideouts to the near side, stole the tight end in motion, turn, faked the handoff, Adrian keeps it himself, coming to the near side, Adrian to the five, Adrian Martinez in, touchdown, Nebraska, Adrian Martinez finds the end zone from 10 yards out. Oh, baby. A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program. Leewer and Falk to the near side. Ramir Johnson splits out. It's an empty backfield now for McCaffrey. Luke gets the snap. going to follow off the right side. Cuts to the middle. Breaks a tackle into the end zone. Touchdown, Nebraska. Luke McCaffrey from five yards out. And the Huskers a point away from tying the game. Tonight, quarterback's coach. Mario Verdusco. Adrian is going to go under center. One day on the backfield with him. Snap back. Quarterback seat. He goes up and over the top. And touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez finds the end zone, and it's a one-point game here in Iowa City. Proudly brought to you by Channel. Channel Seedsman plays products to perform across Nebraska. Get expert advice that yields results at channel.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome to our show. We've got quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco with us here tonight. We're going to talk some Husker quarterback game for the next 60 minutes. If you want to be a part of the program, you can dial us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline, which is brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. 531 500 4686, the number to dot us up, or fire off a text at that very same number as we can uh, fire all these at the coach here tonight. Mario, appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, you, you've had an interesting fall, my friend. I mean, you, you're juggling these quarterbacks and trying to keep everybody happy. How crazy has it been for you? It's been awesome. been tremendous. You know, uh, having the guys in our room that we have, um, they're just all beautiful young men, and it's been um, – it's been interesting, and uh, as I told you earlier, I just wish you had a chance to to be around those young young cats, especially the the relationship and see the relationship between Adrian and Lucas McCaffrey. It's um, it's pretty special, pretty awesome. Well, it would have to be for those two to be because they're competing with each other for playing time and snaps, and you guys have been creative and trying to find ways to get them both into the games. Not anybody would just go along with that. It, you, I mean, in this day and age of the transfer portal, I, you would think by now one of them would have left. So expound more on that, about those two guys and the maturity level that they bring to, to handle this situation. Well, you know, Adrian is inherently just a mature person just by how he was brought up. Lucas, obviously growing up in the football family, he, he has he understands that. But despite that, I think – 
not I think, they're both inherently uh, team-oriented um, young men. And uh, that has shown through um, just how they've uh, dealt with each other um, through this time, actually. How, do, how did they both grade out from last week's game with Iowa? Oh, you know, they, they were both uh, fairly effective and efficient. Um, but, you know, none of that really freaking matters when it comes right down to it when you lose a close game. So I don't really look at that stuff. Um, I just you – know, we talked earlier, and I, my brother called me to tell me about Adrian's stats, and I didn't realize what he had accomplished. But it doesn't make a damn bit of difference when you end up losing a close game to Iowa, you know. Tell me about the competitive nature of those two kids. What? what how, describe that for, for everybody here tonight. Oh, good grief, man. Uh, they're both highly competitive, but in a different way. Uh, Luke is more exuberant, I guess you would be a, a good way to describe him. Uh, Adrian is a, a, a little bit more low-key, probably a little bit more like me, I would say. I'm a competitive son of a bitch, but I really don't show it. You know, I absolutely cannot stand losing or being ineffective or being inefficient. I mean, it just drives me freaking nuts. But um, don't let it show sort of thing. I think Adrian's more that way. Uh, Lucas is, like I said, you know, just more exuberant, more bubbly, and just just, just hates anything that has to do with uh, – uh, failure, so to speak. And it was all I could do during that game uh, against um, Illinois to, to to get his mind right, you know, because, man, it, it's, he's like that sometimes in practice. He'll throw a bad ball and, you know, it's, hey, Lucas, don't, let's go, man. Let's get on to the next play. He's highly, highly, highly competitive. I knew that uh, when we recruited him, talking to, to his mom, Lisa, and talking to Ed. Uh, and I think maybe that's a function of growing up around four older brothers and um, and that family, you know. So it's fun to be around. It's crazy. I bet. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Mario Verduzco with us tonight. It's the quarterback's coach for the Cornhuskers and you getting ready to take on the Purdue Boilermakers on Saturday in West Lafayette, 531 4686 the number to call or fire off a text. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's head up to Minnesota. Tim, you're up with Coach Mario. Hey, well, um, good evening. Coach, thanks for everything you've done. You guys are doing a great job. You know, I debated about whether to um, – call a different hour. I wasn't able to get in last hour. This, in some respects, uh, goes beyond the quarterbacks, but I still think it could pertain here because, you know, quarterbacks are often the leader, you know, the leader of the team. And this regards focus. It's one thing to be all fired up and want to do and have the want to. A lot of times that has happened with Nebraska and other teams. But then it's another thing, though, to be able to avoid the mistakes and make the big plays when you need need them. And it seems like, you know, it requires focus. So um, I just asked maybe how they how they do as far as leading the uh, um, Adrian and Luke, as far as leading the team and in focus. I especially think, I don't know if you guys remember 
that one Super Bowl between San Francisco and Denver, L.A. was still pretty young for the Broncos, and that guy was so keyed up, but he could not focus where he, like, he overthrew everything. And, uh, you know, there are other uh, mistakes that that team made. And, of course, it was a bloodbath that day. And so you can – how does it – how is the team working on being focused and being dialed in but not – but not, but trying to avoid those mistakes that have cost them so dearly. All right. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate the phone call. Coach? Well, as it relates to um, the question about focus, I can't speak for anybody outside of my room that, 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 that I'm so focused, <laughs> to use that word, on just <laughs> the quarterback room um, with regards to an evaluation on Adrian and or Lucas's ability to focus, they have a, uh, a an innate ability to do that. Now, the evaluation as it relates to maybe turnovers and so on and so, so forth would suggest otherwise, but I can only tell you that going into a game, they're as, pre- as prepared as they need to be, as focused as they need to be. Um, they know when to have a little bit of fun and know when to buckle down and, and uh, dial it in. Um so, with regards to just our room, just the quarterbacks, specifically Logan and Adrian, their ability to focus is pretty uncanny. He was talking about getting maybe overexcited, and you alluded to that a little bit in that Illinois game with Luke. Maybe it wasn't overexcited. Maybe it was frustration that things weren't going right. Young quarterbacks tend to, to ponder on that some, don't they, Coach? Yeah, and it can be uh, exacerbated by a coach getting him on the phone on the sidelines and just ripping his ass, you know. <laughs> and that, that's certainly not the way you want to deal with the young guy. And it was um, just an absolute um, an error that just came out of nowhere. I'd never seen him do anything quite like that. I know when we're uh, at UCF and coaching McKenzie, sometimes his freshman year, he would do the craziest things, you know. But Lucas has always been really, really um, disciplined about making those sorts of decisions. And so it was a an absolute total outlier, that first that first play of the Illinois game. So um, it was that's bizarre. It was a really yeah. bizarre play to get that game going. Hey, tonight's Football Coaches Radio Show brought to you in part by Dorothy Lynch, Homestyle and Light and Lean Dressing, Endless Flavorabilities. Let's go to Grand Island next. Chris, you're up with Coach Mario Verdusco. Hey, Coach. How are you this evening? I'm doing great. How are you, Chris? Not too bad. Um, question is, is with uh, Scott running a uh, two-quarterback system uh, for this season, and with the uh, problems that have been with the uh, center and quarterbacks exchange here uh, with the season been going on, is that usually because uh, Cam is not us- used to having one quarterback for like a whole game or he or he just like you have Adrian come in for about 15 plays and you switch it up with uh, Luke? No, because the the the, the... – the placement of the quarterback within the gun is always the same in terms of his depth in relationship to the center. So I can't imagine that that, that that has any, any impact on it. And 
from our standpoint in the quarterback room, we just can't worry about those things. Uh, Cam has to do his job in the best way he can. Whatever happens, happens, and we just got to make do. Now, what about the cadence? I'm sure their cadence are a little different, and that would pertain maybe more to the entire offensive line than just the center. But are their cadences a lot different? No, not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, there's not much difference between those guys when you hear them during practice um, when they're given their cadence at all. Truly. Very good. Mario Verdusco with us here on, on our Husker Football Coaches Show for the week. Nebraska getting ready to go to Purdue to take on the Boilermakers. Uh, man, Iowa's a very physical football. You've played some really physical football teams for this year, and that's really the Big Ten across the board. But the physicality of this sport in this league, it's not for the faint of heart, is it, Coach? I mean, this is a rough and tumble league. You've got to become, you know, come ready to play every week in this conference. There's, there's no doubt about it. And um, um, it's physical. They play great defense. Obviously, we've played some of the better defenses in the, in the conference in the first uh, portion of our season. Um, yeah, it's great football. You know, it's it's tough, hard-nosed, kick-you-in-the-teeth sort of football. And you got to be ready to get after it. That's why you come here, right? You want to play the best. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. You want to play the best in the country. If you're going to play anywhere, you might as well come, to, come play in the Big Ten and most specifically come play for Nebraska. Huskers coming off a heartbreaker to Iowa on Saturday. It seemed like a, I, down as I was down heading toward the locker room after the game, a lot of pain, a lot of pain in that locker room, Coach, after that one on Saturday. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there's, there's, there's absolutely no fun in losing. I mean, I take no joy in that, but I certainly take a tremendous amount of joy in building. And, um, you know, we knew when we took the job, coming with Coach Coming with Coach Frost here, that it was going to be a, a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, um, a lot of scrutiny. But hey, um, I'm fired up, excited about uh, being here with Coach Frosty, and we're going to get this damn thing cranked up. So don't sweat the small stuff, but it sucks losing, man. I'll tell you that. I have not asked you about your true freshman, Logan Smothers. Tell me about him. Tell our audience about what he's like and, and how is he progressing. He hasn't hit the field yet, but how, how is he progressing? He's doing really well. His nickname is D'Artagnan. <laughs> he, he, he looks like he could be D'Artagnan from the Three Musketeers. It's, 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 it's hilarious, but he's doing really well. He's competing, uh, doing everything we ask him to do, um, whether it's uh, doing signals or going and helping the scout team with X, Y, Z. Um, he's a very bright young guy. Uh, when he first got here, he was a little bit in his shell, so to speak. But uh, being around um, the rest of the guys and the teammates, you know, he's, he's kind of opened up. He's having a – I can tell he's having a good time being here. Um, and from his perspective, it was everything – he thought it was going to be in terms of his relationship with Coach Frost, how he was going to be coached, and the demands that were going to be placed upon him. And he's, he's, he's really absorbed that and, and is enjoying it. You're, you're taking him on the road, right, so that he gets an, a feel and an experience yeah. of what road trips are like? Absolutely, yeah. And that's been since the beginning of the season. And he's responded very well to that, uh, very mature 
in terms of, you know, we, we want our guys to be relaxed, but when it's time to lock in, let's lock in. He knows how to do that. And I think that that comes from the, you know, from his, his, his dad, uh, Shane, being a ball coach back in, in Alabama, doing a great job with him. Um, so Logan knows the ins and outs of being a quarterback uh, and what's required. You know, he was a terrific athlete in high school and a pretty good sprinter, wasn't he? He was yeah. like one of the best yeah. sprinters in his state. Yeah, he was a he was a ten eight, ten seven guy in the hundred meters, and uh, that shows up in practice. It shows up when he's competing with Adrian and and Lo, and Lucas when they're doing gassers and that sort of thing. He he's a he's a hell of a competitor. He, he's he's a little bit more like Adrian, I would say, you know. Um, I would say he's probably in between just in terms of his, his outward showing of his competitiveness, you know, but a really neat kid. Love, just love him to death. You know, how, how did he, how did he do a kind of a simulating the college life Lincoln, Nebraska? I mean, that's a big transition for a lot of these kids. How did that part, how did his off the field part go for him? Well, it's been really good. Um, I think, doing part to his, his roommates. Um, he's got a great, great group of guys that he's rooming with. They're all about football. They're all about their academics. And they, obviously they, they want to have fun when they, when they can. Um, so he's adjusted re- really well. Like I said, when he first got here, he was, he was a little quiet, you know, and the other quarterbacks would kind of make fun of him because he wouldn't say anything, but you know, he's, he's, He's freaking hilarious now, man. I mean, he's he's a funny kid from Muscle Shoals now. It's it's awesome. So he's um he's he's kind of opened up quite a bit. You also have some walk-on quarterbacks. Tell our audience about some of the other guys that you have in your room. Well, we got you know we have uh, Matt Masker. Uh, matter of fact, the two cats we have are from from Carney. So Matt is from uh, Matt Masker's from Carney Catholic, and then Braden Miller's from. Uh, Carney Public and both great young guys. Um, it's just a it's just a neat room, just a really a good room to be around. Those two young cats, as I've said before, are just tough ass, hard nosed Nebraska kids. You know they know how to work, um, they know how to have fun, and and they're just damn man. I just they're just great teammates. I I, I don't I, I can't say enough great things about them. They're just great teammates. All right, let's go to our text line. Coach, how about more bootlegs and rollouts? <laughs> oh, I don't have anything to say about that, man. That That's all about Coach Frost and Coach Lubick, and uh, whatever they ask us to do, we got to be prepared to do. You know, this offense is pretty diverse. There's an awful lot of wrinkles to this offense. In fact, you know, almost through three years with you guys, I doubt we've even seen the whole playbook, have we? Well, there's been some stuff that, that that we'd like to get to, and and some of the stuff will even be, um, how would you say, more effective and efficient. The older we get, the more mature we get. It was the experience we had at UCF, and certainly the experience we're having here. Um, but it's a fun offense to be in. We're going to run it. We're going to throw it, and um, just have a lot of fun doing it. All right, another text that's come in. Coach, what would you say our, the identity of our offense is? Uh, the flexibility. Really, I, you know, if I was to put a finger on it, I would just say the flexibility. Um, just in terms of uh, when you go back and look at when Frosty was at Oregon, 
if they had to throw it to win it, they were going to throw it. If they had to run it to win it, uh, they were going to run it. That was our experience at UCF, and we're building towards that here at uh, at Nebraska. And um, that's the vision that, that Frosty has. I totally believe in it. I believe in him, believe in what we're doing, and it's just going to be a matter of getting a little bit uh, more mature. And um, like I told you before, it was not going to be any better roses coming here. We knew that. All right, let's get into our pick segment for the week. Big Ten game predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping make people make positive choices. What's what's the grade card say for last week, Josh? Well, so uh, some of us had better weeks than others, but uh, the, the the middle of the pack kind of took us down. The the first game that we picked was Maryland and Indiana. Everybody got Indiana right. Everybody was wrong on Northwestern Michigan State. Obviously, that's to no one's fault. I was the only one that picked Penn State over Michigan. Everybody else uh, thought that wow. Michigan was going to win that, but I picked up a game there. Everybody was wrong uh, on Purdue beating Rutgers. Rutgers won that one. And then into the top 25 picks, uh, three of the five of us were wrong on Iowa State, Texas. Uh, Greg, you, Ben, and Austin all picked the Horns and mm. were wrong. Tim and I picked Iowa State and were right on that. And then you kind of went out on a limb and you picked the upset of North Carolina over Notre Dame, Greg, and that was wrong. <laughs> the rest of us got that right, and then everybody was right on Alabama. So for the week, uh, Greg, you brought up the rear two of seven on your picks. Ben and Austin, you guys were three of seven. Jeez. Tim, four of seven. And I extended my lead by going five of seven last Goodness. week. Goodness, I'm now at 90 correct predictions for the season. Tim is now in second at 82. Greg, you and Ben at 80, and Austin is at 76. Ugh. Wow. Brutal, Ben. That's significant. Yeah. yeah. Guys are going to have to do some work. Oh, we sure do. Uh, yes. Okay, let's get into it. The 11 a.m. game on ABC. The Buckeyes going to try to play at Michigan State. Sparty coming off. And upset last week, Ben over Northwestern, but the Buckeyes a healthy 24-point favorite. Ooh. Yeah, large number. I'm expecting a, a pretty significant defeat here from Ohio State. It seems like Michigan State's trend is pop up, play really good one week, and then play bad for the next couple. So I'm not expecting Michigan State to hang around much in this one. So give me Ohio State. Josh? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ben. Uh, if we were picking – Against the spread, I would even say that I would expect the Buckeyes to cover that. So I think if the game happens, they're going to go out there and prove a point, even though, you know, not sure what who all they're going to have, but I, I don't think it really matters too much. I think they're going to win big. In the matchup of SUs, I will take OSU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jo Josh mentioned the only X factors. We don't know who's playing and who's not playing for right. the Buckeyes, but I don't know that there's going to be enough guys out to matter, give me the Buckeyes. Okay, uh, also at 11, Josh, this one's to you. Penn State coming off of a win at Rutgers, coming off of a win. How about this one in Piscataway? Yeah, and I picked Penn State last week, and I, I'm going to do it again this week. Even though Rutgers, they're, they're not the Rutgers that we've known for the past several years doing these picks, but uh, Penn State, I think they, they pick up their first win, and now they have momentum. I think they get the job done on the road against the Scarlet Knights. And I failed to mention Tim's pick last time. He picked Ohio State as well. And on this one, he goes Rutgers over Penn State. Ooh, okay. Rutgers taking down at Purdue made me want to pick the Scarlet Knights, but the way they did it, I, I think they got a little bit of help. So I'll take Penn State and give them, give them a little bit of a streak. 
I'm with you. I think the Nittany Lions are better than they've played. I think they get it, make it two in a row and get to two and five. That game, by the way, is on FS1 on Saturday at 11. Yeah, give me Penn State as well. Um, I kind of feel like, and I, and I said this after Nebraska beat Penn State, Penn State's good enough to salvage a couple wins out of the season, and, and I think that this is one of those games as well. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they come out and play after their first win, much like Nebraska against Illinois. If, if they come out the same way the Huskers did against the Illini, Rutgers is going to win. But um, give me the Nittany Lions in this one. Okay. 2.30 matchups. ABC, a battle of ranked teams. Austin, 12th-ranked Indiana, going to 16th-ranked Wisconsin. The Badgers, they don't care about this ranking. They're 14-point favorites in this game. Ooh. Yeah, no Michael Penix. I think that's a problem they'll have to – Put a lot on the shoulders and legs of Stevie Scott, Indiana will. But I, I think I trust Wisconsin more. I think that's a big blow for Indiana losing Penix. I will take the Badgers in that one. Okay, I go Badgers, too. I don't know that they cover the 14. I think Indiana's defense is really good. But I think the Badgers at home, they, they'll have enough to get their third win of the year. Yeah, this is an interesting game, I think. Um, 14 points is way too many. Mm-hmm. I, I think Wisconsin's really had to earn it against one defense so far and that was Northwestern, and they laid a huge egg. So I'm really concerned about their ability or inability to move the ball against Indiana. Um, And Tom Allen is on fire right now. That team is believing uh, in everything that he's saying, and I think they have a real chance to win. That being said, I I think the the loss to Penix right now is is an X factor uh, in the game. He's... Uh, played a ton of good football this year for them, and I just I don't know if I could see Indiana overcoming that, although I, I'm not expecting it to be uh, an easy Wisconsin win by any stretch of the imagination. So give me the Badgers and a tight one. Yeah, and, and Tim went with Wisconsin too, so I'm going to maybe be giving away a point here, but I'm going to pick the upset, big upset in Hoosiers. And like you said, Ben, I think that 14 is way too much, and I think it's going to be a tight game. And yeah. with the confidence that Indiana is playing with, I know that Penix is a huge loss. Don't get me wrong, but like, I, I, they just are playing at such a high level right now. I think that if they're in a game and they're in it late, I think they're going to have a chance to win. So I'll, I'll take the Hoosiers. And again, I might be throwing away a point here, but uh, give me Indiana. All right. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Also, 230FS1. The Iowa Hawkeyes travel to Champaign to take on the Fighting Illini. Iowa nearly a two-touchdown favorite. I just I think Iowa's playing at a really high level right now, one of the hottest teams in the league. I'll go Hawkeyes, maybe not, not by two touchdowns, but they'll get it done against the, uh, the Illini. I think that spread's probably about right. Um, I am not going to let the way that the Nebraska and Illinois played in that game really affect my – my thoughts on Illinois as a team this year. I, th- I think Iowa's far better. I don't, th- I don't think a lot of Illinois' offense, and as you said, Greg, Iowa's playing really at a good level right now. They, ba- they barely squeaked by the Huskers, but they've been beating teams down before that. They're on a bit of a roll, and I like Iowa in this one. Well, and I would have been curious to see how Illinois did against Ohio State last week if that game had been played. I think even if, you know, if they had played – that game well played the Buckeyes tight then maybe you know they have a lot of confidence coming into this one but I think they've lost a little momentum and like you guys have said Iowa's the better team so I'll take the Hawkeyes here what Tim do Tim has one? Iowa as well okay make make it a clean sweep Iowa's playing too well right now and I think they get it done by double digits 
This is be, this has provided Lovey with plenty of bulletin board material to throw up <laughs> yeah. for his team with this yeah. Husker Sports Network sweep. They all calling for the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, let's go pick off a couple of top twenty-five matchups. Ben A&M, fifth ranked in the country of the Aggies at Auburn. Uh, so a challenge on the road. A&M favored by six and a half. This is an eleven a.m. kick Saturday on ESPN coming out of game day. Yeah, as much as I like A&M. I don't like Auburn. I, I am just not a fan of Auburn's team. I think they're, that their defense um, has so much talent on it, but they just I, I don't know what the deal is. You know, Owen Papo's a, an all-league type player, Smoke Monday, not only the number one name in the nation, but one of the better <laughs> members of the secondary. Um, I, I just don't have a lot of trust in Bo Nix or, or Tank Bigsby. And, again, they've got a lot of speed, a lot of talent offensively, but um, – I'm expecting this to be tight, tighter than I, than I want it to be, um, but I'm, I'm ready for Auburn to, to kind of get what they have coming to them. So give me A and M, and I think it's a it's a tight game all the way through. But wouldn't shock me if Auburn wins. I'm just going to say A and M on top, just because of where I stand on both teams. Yeah, I'm going to take the Aggies too, and I, I think it it is more about Auburn being inconsistent and not really proving themselves and. I still am waiting for Texas A&M to lay an egg, too, at some point this season. But uh, for right now, give me Texas A&M until, until they prove otherwise. And Tim has A&M as well. I'll make it A&M for another pick here for the Aggies. They struggled with LSU. I don't love it. Auburn's defense is exponentially better than LSU. So I do think it's tight, but I think having having 12 men instead of just 11 will, will help Texas A&M in this one. <laughs> Uh, I, I go Aggies. I think Auburn coming off just getting embarrassed by Alabama. I think they'll have a hard time kind of getting the mojo up and running. A&M knows they still have a chance to make the playoff. They're motivated. They'll go in and win at Auburn on a Saturday. All right, Josh said pick a Big 12 game, so I'm going to go Oklahoma State TCU for our next selection. This is at 11 o'clock Saturday on the Deuce. The Cowboys up to 15th in the country. TCU trying to get above 500. OSU just a two-point yeah. favorite this one, Josh. Yeah, just a two-point favorite, and I, I am kind of curious why. I'm going to pick Oklahoma State here, and it makes me a little bit nervous looking at that line because just looking at how the two seasons have gone for those teams, I would think that they'd be more like a 10-point favorite. But still, give me give me the pokes, and uh, we'll go from there. And, how about Tim? Yeah, Tim has Oklahoma State, too. I know which one, and I know which way Greg's going to pick this one, but I, I can't buy into that logic here. I'll, I'll fire my pistols. Give me the give me the cowpokes. <laughs> home teams, slight underdogs, go home teams. Gary Patterson will cook something up. Horn Frogs get their fifth one of the year. They knock off the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm not loving what I'm seeing from Oklahoma State on either side of the ball. I mean, they let up 44 last week to Texas Tech. Uh, offensively, they had a true freshman rush it like 37 times for 200-some yards last week. That's not going to happen against TCU. These are the types of games that Gary Patterson pulls out of thin air and wins. Um, I think I'm going to pick TCU, but it's more of an indictment on how I feel about Okie State than how I feel about TCU. So I'm a slight horned frog lean, so that's who I'll pick. All right, very good. Last pick of the week, a game that was announced today. BYU travels cross-country to take on Coastal Carolina. It's a battle of ranked teams. Even though they're both ranked and Coastal Carolina is the home team, Austin, they are a 10-point underdog to BYU. This game's on the U at 430 on Saturday. 
10-point dogs at home. That seems like a lot. I know BYU's playing well. Coastal's been very impressive this year. Big credit to the ADs for getting this lined up. It was supposed to be Liberty and Coastal Carolina. But credit to the conferences for letting them. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess BYU zing. doesn't have one, but zing. <laughs> but, yes, BYU doesn't have a conference, but I do think they win in front of game day. I will take the Cougs on the road. Yeah, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan. I think he's really, really good. One more chance for him to make an impression for Heisman voters. I think if they take this game late like this, fly across the country, get a, an impressive win, they've got to move up in the college football playoff poll, only at 13th, even though they're an undefeated team. Chance Nation stand up. Their coach a few years ago wanted more dogs. Ten is a lot of dogs. That's a lot of underdog points for the Chance. Um, give me Coastal Carolina. I'm with you, Ben. I, why not? Go, go Shannon Clears. Uh, they're undefeated, 9-0. I know their competition hasn't been outstanding, but they, they've played and beat every team in front of them on the schedule. So why not, why not this one? Give me, give me Coastal Carolina. And did Tim make a selection on this late edition? He did. He got it in just under the wire. He's going with BYU. (laughs) Okay. All right. That'll be fun. We'll see how we do next week when we go back and recap all of this. If you or someone you love has a problem with gambling, call Choices Treatment Center at 402-476-2300 on the Nebraska Gambler's Assistance Program at 1-833-238-6837. Again, if you want to send us a text, fire off a thought about our picks, you can do so on our U.S. Cellular text line brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. We're back with a chat with Tim Newton, the play-by-play voice of Purdue. That's next. Tim, I, as I studied Purdue this week, I saw a lot of similarities to what the Huskers have kind of gone through in re- recent weeks. Did you find that when you were doing your game prep? Greg, I think we're holding a mirror up to each other. Uh, Close (laughs) losses, frustrating losses, uh, inability to really build momentum. Uh, It's uh, what you're seeing in Lincoln is the same thing we're seeing in West Lafayette. Well, there certainly have been some bright spots, and and I think it's particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Jack Plummer has really done a nice job playing for the injured Aiden O'Connell. Tell me about Jack Plummer a little bit. Yeah, Jack Plummer, you know, he doesn't have quite the arm strength that Aiden O'Connell has, but the one thing he's got over Aiden is is his ability to evade the rush and run when he has to. Uh, he hasn't been sacked in either of the two starts that he's had, and that's been a big difference. Uh, Aiden was a guy that was going to stand back in the pocket and stand back there and wait and wait, and then eventually if things broke down, he would probably get sacked or he would have to throw the ball away. Uh, Jack has the ability to, to stand back there and go through his progressions, but also – if, if he doesn't see somebody open, he can take off and run, and he's been able to do that in the couple of games. So he's provided a spark. And I think when you've got a David Bell and a Rondale Moore, the, the longer you can sit back there and the more mobile you are to give yourself a chance, the better off you are. Well, it's just one of the best sets of wide receivers in the country, let alone the Big Ten Conference. I want to talk about Xander Horvath because when I see Xander, I have flashbacks to Mike Allstott. That, that comparison has to come up around Lafayette a lot, doesn't it? It does all the time, and I think it's it, in some ways it is a valid comparison because you look at those guys and they got those square shoulder pads, and he reminds you when he gets squared up to the line of scrimmage of Mike, the way he seems to run downhill. And uh, You know, the amazing thing, though, about Xander is, uh, as big as he is, he's got surprisingly, he's got deceptive speed, and he's also hurdled guys, and I'm not talking hurdled guys that were like laying on the ground. 
he's jumped over two guys that were standing up this year. And, he, you know, he did it the first time. You thought, well, well, that must have been a little bit of a fluke. Then he did it again last week against Rutgers. And you go, well, you know, this guy's got a little bit more athleticism than you give him credit for. Been just a phenomenal season for him, the junior back for the Boilermakers. Let's go to defense a little bit. And right now I know it's it's kind of an attrition thing with Karloftis out for the year. Derek Barnes is going to miss the first half of this game with a targeting call late in the game against Rutgers last week. Give me the, the, the lowdown on what the defense has been like through the season. Well, the problem from Purdue's standpoint is you just talked about two of probably their three best defenders. Lorenzo Neal, I would say, along with Karloftis and Barnes, are the, really the anchors of that defense. You know, it's a defense that has tried to come up into a new system with Bob Diaco here where they're going back and forth with a 4-3 and the 3-4. And uh, the mantra has been bend but don't break. But unfortunately, you look at the scores that Purdue has given up, they've given up more points every game than the game before. And last week, Rutgers put 37 on the board against them, and Purdue couldn't get off the field. Uh, That defense was on the field for all but three plays in the last 17 minutes of the game. So, I think there's some frustration here when you've got offensive weapons like Purdue has, you want to get that offense on the field as much as possible. But especially the last couple of weeks, Purdue's defense has just not been able to get off the field. Both Minnesota and Rutgers controlled the football for well over 30 minutes in in each of those games. And um, the defense is going to have to improve here in December if Purdue's going to pick up any wins down the stretch. Tim, again, visiting with Tim Newton, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers. It's amazing the, the emotions teams go through through a season, even an odd season like the one we're having now. The great start to the year with back-to-back wins, and now where they are. I mean, that is a wild swing, isn't it, for what Purdue has experienced here this fall? It is, and, and I talked to some of the players every week on, on Jeff Brown's radio show, and I asked them about the whole roller coaster of 2020. From You go back to the spring when – the plug got pulled, and then it looked like for a while in the summer we were going to go to a normal schedule, and then they had another schedule, and then they pulled the plug. And the season has kind of followed that up-and-down trajectory. You mentioned start off the season with a great win over Iowa, where you pulled the game out in the last two minutes. Uh, went over to Illinois, won that game. But Purdue hasn't won a game since Halloween. You know, they had their game against Wisconsin the following week, canceled due to COVID, and now they've lost three straight. And I do think there's a confidence issue right now you could see it a little bit. Uh, I think the turning point last week was when Rutgers took a kickoff back 100 yards for a touchdown. I don't think Purdue ever recovered from that. And, and I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's been a strange season. It's been a roller coaster season. And I think in, in order – I would guess both of these teams today, both Nebraska and Purdue, really want to get off to good starts and, and try to get some confidence, try to feel a little bit better about yourself early in the game and see if that can lead to a better outcome. Yeah, no doubt. With two games to go, this one and then the game next week, both programs have a chance to at least maybe hit hit the offseason with an uptick and a good feel. I remind people all the time, Tim, that six months ago, this game was supposed to be the opener for both teams. People kind of forget that the original schedule had Purdue coming to Lincoln for a game to start the season off with. You know, and I think that would have been a great opener with a full stadium in Lincoln at Memorial Stadium there and, you know, uh, thousands of people rooting their Huskers on. I think it was a game that we were all looking forward to because I think both teams had pretty big expectations coming into this year. And, yeah, you're right. Now we here we are playing in December, and it's going to be, you know, thankfully I think it's going to be dry uh, this weekend, but we're going to look at the, a little chillier temperature than we would have in late late August <laughs> or early September. So. Uh, you know, we'll we'll do our best to make sure we can give you at least a partial Chamber of Commerce day. 
Yeah, maybe about a 50-degree swing from what that game in, in early September would have been to now. Tim, always great to catch up. Enjoy the game today. Greg, thank you. Welcome back. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network, our final show of the week. Thanks to Husker Basketball, who will hit the hardwood again tomorrow. But now we change gears, talk some National Football League. Normally on Fridays, this week on Thursdays, Mr. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. We thought just, you know, Ian, continue with the spirit of the NFL, shuffling things around. A game on Wednesday, why not bring you on on Thursday? Let's just continue the chaos. <laughs> I mean, there's one thing we've learned about this NFL season, it's that um, none of the days matter, right? Like every, you know, I have two two kids and uh, they like football. And so every single day they wake up and they go, what's the football game tonight? Because <laughs> that's been the way it is this year. Literally a football game every single night, uh, which is good. And so, yeah, I mean, if we might as well, might as well do this on a Thursday because Thursday is the same as Friday and Friday is the same as really any other day. And that's basically 2021. Yeah, I mean, normally we're recapping a game on Thursday. Whatever year it is, jeez. (laughs) We're almost done with it. We're almost done with it, just one month left. Um, Well, let's just talk about how how the teams took um, the layoff. I don't know. This is the postponements, the layoffs, whatever you want to call it, from Thanksgiving. Uh, What was kind of the standpoint from each, the Steelers and the Ravens? Because I'm imagining complete different perspectives on on how this thing ended up playing out. Supposed to be, supposed to be a Thursday night game on Thanksgiving ended up to be nearly a week postponement. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, what obviously wasn't ideal. And the fact that, um, you know, they came out and kind of looked bad. I mean, honestly, they both really looked bad. Not that surprising because it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, they barely practiced. They barely did anything. They had to start and, and restart a couple different times. You know, there's a reason you practice. There's a reason you go through all the reps and do everything you do. It's so on game day you are ready, and I don't think either of those teams honestly looked ready. But, you know, for the Steelers, I mean, they got through it. They did lose Bud Dupree, who's one of their best players, their star pass rusher, you know, out for the season with a torn ACL. And I think for him it's especially damaging because he was going to be a free agent. And, I mean, he's still going to be a free agent, but he was on the franchise tag. Obviously, he was hoping for that long-term deal. Um, and now, you know, might get tagged again just because that's his situation. So I think that's, you know, that's obviously something that's bad. For the Ravens, I mean, they lost, yes, but they they showed some fight, man. I'm, I was kind of impressed by the Ravens. I wonder if they're going to go on a little run now just kind of using this as some fuel because obviously it has not been an easy couple of weeks for them. So give us an idea of what the Ravens situation is like. We, we heard over 20 cases. How long are some of these guys out for? I know they got some of them back uh, for the game or at least were eligible to play. I know the running backs didn't end up playing uh, JK or, right. or Ingram, but what, what, what's their status in the next few days and what they can have eligible for their next game? Yeah, so you're right. The running backs did not play. Um, they probably play next week. They were actually cleared to play, but they had not practiced in two weeks. I mean, that's one of the things that I think people don't really take into account. Like, you know, we sort of think about it like, okay, so they're off the COVID list and they roll out on the field. It's not really like that. I mean, there's practice and they have to get ready and their bodies have to adjust and it's just there's a lot that goes into literally getting a player on the field. So I don't think either of those guys um, were particularly ready to play. You know, Lamar Jackson, 
uh, he went on the COVID-19 list um, Thursday, so I think there's a chance he could be available to play and come off the list, I believe, on Monday, I think, is that's right. Um, so I think he could play in their game, next game, which I think is Tuesday. Um, so, they're, you know, they're going to get some guys back, but it will probably take a couple weeks for them to get back at full strength after going through this, which, you know, has been extremely difficult for this franchise. Absolutely. Well, let's stick in the division. The, the, the Cleveland Browns are 8-3. and three. They got Tennessee this week also 8-3. and three. I, I guess I want to start with, with the Titans, though. Um, Derrick Henry, this time of year, teams are worn out. He's really starting to go. Where, where do you put Tennessee in the conversation of, of making a deep playoff run and, and where they're at right now? I mean, if Derrick Henry stays healthy, then they look like they are a team that's on their way. I mean, just think about it logistically, right? You're, you know, you're a playoff team. It's 25 degrees. Everyone's gearing up for the game. And all you got is Derrick Henry, all 260 pounds in there or whatever, just bearing down on you. I mean, that is a scary, a scary thing for anyone. I would not want to tackle him in any weather, let alone the cold. Um, so that's something that I think will, you know, will take them a long way. I mean, they look to me like a team that is on its way to making a deep playoff run, you know, Super Bowl, I don't know. It is a tough division, very tough. But they got all the tools, um, provided they can kind of just get through this this little second half of the season here. I think they're on their way. And on, on the other sideline, there there has been so much noise around the Cleveland Browns the last three to four years, um, just with the personalities, their draft picks, who they accumulate in free agency. Now it seems like when they're the most quiet as a franchise, they're having the most success as a, at eight and three. Yeah. People, I mean, you haven't really heard much out of Cleveland, but you look at their record; they're eight and three. They're not an overly appealing team to watch play. They just want to pound the ball down your throat with a lot of play action. What What's your take on Cleveland and the season they've had? But more importantly, how their franchise is approaching this year? Well, I think you're right about that, and they are much quieter this year. I mean, there's no Odell. He'll, you know, he's obviously out for the season with an ACL. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see Odell in Cleveland again. And they got a coach, Kevin Stefanski, who is low-key. He's a good leader, but he's low-key. gets along with everyone. Turns the temperature down a little bit. And I think that's something that, you know, is really appreciated and needed. They are just a workmanlike team. And, you know, teams sometimes can take on the personality of their best players. Well, if you're talking about, you know, the Cleveland Browns' best player, you're probably talking about Nick Chubb. He doesn't say anything. He is a quiet worker, and I think that is, you know, probably a good description for this Cleveland team right now. Absent some Baker Mayfield post-game quips, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man, he was, he was on fire this week, I guess. Um, okay, let's. Uh, I don't, man, I never thought I would have to ask you about about a practice squad wide receiver who never played, uh, never prepped for a game. We all expected it to be bad last week in Denver, and it was. But what, what's been the fallout in Denver just about how they were put in that situation and ultimately what they had to run out there on Saturday against the Saints, or Sunday, I should say. Well, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two parts of it. One part of it is, you know, they uh, we were all sort of one. You know, I, got, I first got the message, like, all right, Broncos pulled their quarterbacks off the field, and I'm like, oh, they must have tested positive. Well, no, it turns out they were close contacts, high-risk close contacts. They were not truthful with the league as far as, you know, being close contacts. And instead of kind of giving them a little break and being like, hey, you know, we'll have this game on Tuesday where these guys can play, the league didn't. You know, and I don't think they wanted to 
give an excuse or give a, you know, give an alley-oop to one of the teams that violated its protocol. I think that's one thing in the NFL that has been very clear. The protocols are good. They work. You just have to do them. You just have to listen. And it's clear these guys did not. And, and you know, that's, that's definitely something um, that will stand out. I mean, and Dr. Alan Sills on the conference call yesterday said the same thing. 90% compliance is not good. The protocols work. You just have to do it. Um, and they're not going to give a boost to a team that doesn't. Yeah, very well said. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network with us here on Sports Night. Let's talk about the team they played. Um, New Orleans offense is it's working, question mark, with Taysom Hill. It's yeah. Again, it's pretty boring to watch. Um, a lot of quarterback power look very, you know, like a college offense almost. Alvin Kamara's having a hard time getting going in this offense. Where, what is Sean Payton, do you think, is thinking of this offense right now um, that he's finally being able to run with Taysom Hill? Well, what's your interpretation of, of what New Orleans is doing offensively? I'm not sure it's exactly like they wanted. You know, like, and, I, and I think that um, – you know, I'm not sure it's exactly what they wanted. And, you know, I, I think that they maybe have been a little underwhelmed, but they're still winning. And, you know, if they can use this game to keep on, you know, cruising, cruise control here and just keep on going without getting anyone hurt and just paving the way for Breeze to come back, I think that would be fine. You know, you, the only problem is going to be what if they get to the end of this and, you know, Taysom Hill is not the franchise guy, they kind of have to start over. The fate most teams find themselves in, but would obviously not be the number one choice for New Orleans. Yeah. All right, Ian, before we uh, cut you loose, one more team slash player I want to ask you about. What's what's your concern level in Arizona with Kyler Murray in the shoulder? He clearly wasn't himself against New England last week. Yeah, clearly. And, you know, these are things that can, you know, probably linger a couple weeks. I mean, Sam Darnold missed, I think, three weeks plus the buy on it. So, you know, I would say for Kyler, I mean, if he can, I mean, he, I think he's going to play. You know, if he can just kind of get through these next couple of weeks, maybe by mid-December he should be fine. You just got to hope he doesn't get worse. He's just not, he's just not himself. And I think it's another way to show that these great, great athletes, you know, they need to be as close to 100% to be effective. If they're not throwing well, well, then he's just not the quarterback he's been. That's obviously something to watch for a team that, you know, does seem to be going in the wrong direction. Yeah, not throwing well and scared to run. So that's just a deadly combo for I'm Kyler agreed. Murray. We'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what happens against a very tough L.A. Rams defense on Sunday at 3.05 Central Time. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network with us. Ian, great stuff. It's been a huge busy week for you. I understand it. Thanks for being flexible with us. And I guess we'll find out what next week has in store for us here in the NFL. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. Thanks, man. Always good talking to you. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! Well, time to check out what's on everybody's screens and what has been on everybody's screens. Josh, I'll start with you. All right. Well, I've been, I haven't been on this for a few weeks. We've been watching uh, the TV show King of Queens. I know Ben's a big fan of yeah. that. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's great to reminisce on that. Also, we, we watched a movie uh, a week or so ago called Morning Glory, and here's a little tease of that. 
did you get a job yet? No, but I have feelers out. Lots. So you're a fan of our morning program? So many yeah, yeah, we know it's terrible. Coming up tomorrow, we'll show you what to do with those shampoo bottles with just an inch of shampoo left. Uh -huh. Daybreak's understaffed, underfunded. Any producer who works there will be publicly ridiculed, overworked, on the pay. Awful. I'll take it. I'd like to offer you the position of co-host of Daybreak. After the career that I've had. <laughs> Is he gonna cook? Is he gonna do fashion segments and gossip? Not my thing. You happen to be a pretentious, fatuous idiot. A fatuous idiot who makes three times what you make. So now is an excellent time for you to take up drinking. So this movie is <laughs> about uh, Rachel McAdams as a producer, so it's kind of relevant to uh, my line of work, and so it's kind of fun to watch that. She produces a, a morning show that's really bad, and she's trying to get it out of the bottom of the ratings and she has to get Harrison Ford who's an old uh, I don't know curmudgeon-y <laughs> uh, anchor to um, be better at his job so it's a it is your movie. it is your life this is your life is, yes, everything lines it, up yes everything's the same <laughs> that's funny that sounds like fun I like her man she I don't know if she's made a bad movie I like her in about everything yep. Austin, you got a thing on your screens. Well, we just finished Designated Survivors. We're in between shows right now. I think Superstore is next on the docket. Not fully confirmed, but uh, suggestions welcome. All right, okay. there you go. I'm, I'm about to wrap year two of Ozark. I have one episode left to finish off season two of that. Should get that done in the next couple of days. And then I may wait a while to go on to season three. I know you would binge it, Ben, all the way through, but I'll take my time on it. Yeah, I got to do that. Got to do that. <laughs> For me, What's we're still yours? trudging our way through Dexter. We, there's eight seasons. There's four good seasons. We just finished the fourth season, so we got four bad seasons to get through before the uh, before the new the new one comes out. Uh, I heard the old writers are doing the the new the new season, so that has me at least a little excited. Very good. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. So this is this is it, guys. Until kickoff for us we don't have a, a show tomorrow again husker women's basketball at six o'clock they open their season against oru and uh here we go ben a chance to knock off the boilermakers and, and get a win in the column for the big red in two days yeah and boy i sure hope it isn't the last game of the year kind of sounding like that is a possibility i know minnesota really wants to try and play but it would be great to to get some positive momentum going whether it's the last game or not and and get these guys feeling good about what they're doing Yep, no doubt. All right, hey, Midwest Ford dealers offering you an awesome prize this football season. All you have to do is enter a photo showing your Husker pride or vote for your favorite photo, and you can be the winner of a $50 Husker gift card. Enter and vote today at facebook.com slash Husker. So, again, no show tomorrow night. Uh, back Monday with a full sports signing. We'll recap the Purdue game. We'll also have our next men's basketball radio hour on Monday as well. I think, I believe Doc Sadler is going to be our guest on Monday night. My thanks to Ben, to Josh, to Austin, and all of you for listening tonight. Enjoy the women's game tomorrow as they begin their 2020-2021 season against ORU. That'll put a bow on tonight's Sports Honor. Thanks for listening.